Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Great to be at Faith Point. What a great name, Faith Point. And there's even a person here that is called Faith. And why wouldn't you be here if you're called Faith? Amen. <laughs> Amen, Faith, wherever you are. You're, oh, she's out with the kids. That's right. Amen. He's busy this morning, right? And so, yeah, it's great to be here. I have uh, one wife. and um, That's really good. Yeah, uh, and, and so uh, her name's Karen, and we've been married 42 years. I've been a Christian 46 years now. I got saved when I was two years old, so like, it's, <laughs> amen. And so my wife's a funeral director, uh, a bit unusual. Uh, so, uh, you know, people are dying to meet her. It's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> amen. And, and uh, I was, uh, actually, I told this last night, but I'll say it again. You know, I was at the, I was at the cemetery trying to, I was giving her a hand, you know, as you do. And, uh, and uh, certainly there was these six guys carrying a casket around the, the graveyard. And so, and they were walking around the graveyard with a casket. And then I, I went in to help my wife, Karen, for about 35, 40 minutes, came back out. And they're still walking around with the casket. Six guys walking around the casket. And I thought to myself, I've lost the plot. Some of you are going, what? How does that work? Like, anyway, we've got three uh, sons. One of them lives in Auckland, uh, so we pray for him often. And uh, we've got two other sons who live in Tauranga, and uh, we've got six grandchildren. And so, uh, yeah, amen. Who, who are grandparents here? Like, yeah, like, my kids are the cutest ever. Like, they are the cutest grandkids you've ever seen in your life. I don't think your kids are as cute, your grandkids are as cute as my grandkids. Like, unbelievable. You want to see, no, I won't, no, anyway. So, uh, anyway, um, I, I, I read, I told some jokes to my kids, and, and the oldest boy, he he all of a sudden, it all of a sudden dawned on him. He had this look of horror on his face. And he said, you, you don't tell these in church, do you? I said, yeah, I do. Oh, no. But I said, well, and I thought, well, this morning he's not here. So here we go. <laughs> Jokes about German sausage are the worst. Dead oh. 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 joke. I stayed up all night to see where the sun went. <laughs> then it dawned on me. <laughs> I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. I can't put it down. <laughs> oh, dear. How do you make holy water? Boil the hell out of it. Oh, probably shouldn't say that. Anyway, broken pencils are, are, are pointless. I, tra- I tried to catch some fog, but I missed. <laughs> England has no kidney bank. But it does have a Liverpool. Uh, I used to be a banker, but I lost interest. Did you know that all the toilets in New York's police stations have been stolen? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, police have nothing to go on. 
Velcro, what a rip-off. <laughs> the cartoonist, found, a cartoonist was found dead in his home. The details are sketchy. <laughs> oh, dear. I, I used to think I was indecisive, but now I'm not so, uh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, um, uh, do, you want, do you want a few more? No, no, no. No, no. A friend was coming out in, uh, out in front of me of church and, uh, one day, and the preacher, I think his name was James, was standing at the door, and he's, he's always shaking hands. And so he grabbed my friend by the hand and pulled him aside. And the pastor said to him, you need to join the army of the Lord. My friend said, I'm already in the army of the Lord, pastor. And the, and the pastor questioned, he said, how come I don't see you except at Christmas or at Easter? He, he whispered back, he said, I'm in the secret service. time to preach all right okay we'll we'll finish that one there amen amen uh i've got a few books at the back there and and uh some books that will help uh nurture your faith so have a look at those but we're just going to pray for healing in jesus name amen is that all right if we just do that father in the name of jesus i just thank you for your healing power it's right here, right here, right now. Thank you, Lord. If you need healing at all, could you just raise your hand at all? If you just raise, just raise your hand if you need healing at all. In Jesus' name, just keep your hand raised if you would or half raised if it gets a bit tired. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, maybe put your other hand on the part of your body that just needs to be whole in Jesus' name. So, Father, we just thank you for your healing power right now going through this room in Jesus' name. We thank you that you're here and we say to these bodies, be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, the throat, the eyes, the, the, the stomach area. Lord, in Jesus' name, we declare your healing power to invade people's lives. We speak life and we speak healing, even as Sue said. Lord, death to life. And we speak life into those bones, every tissue, every, every, uh, every tissue, every bone, every muscle. We declare your healing power to invade into people's lives right now. Even during this message, even during this service, before they go out of this room, we thank you, Lord, that pain is going to just begin to dissipate, that that healing is going to come, that that seed is going to grow and healing is going to be their portion in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your healing power. Thank you, Lord. It was 46 years ago I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. I was at a Methodist youth camp. The preacher said, I want you to come forward if you believe that Jesus Christ is real and he's alive and and he died on a cross for you and he's forgiven your sins. And on the third day he rose again. And that that day I was about 18 or 19 years old. I I asked Jesus to come into my life. He said, I want those people who believe in Jesus to come forward, shake my hand and then go back to their seat. Now, I was a I was like a, a teenager. Now, when you're a teenager, you're cool. When you're always cool when you're a teenager, especially when you have a white denim jacket and you have a have a, a Mark one convertible a Zephyr Mark one convertible. Does anybody know what those things are? Most useless thing ever. But anyway, 
and so and so it took some guts to come out. And at the end of this service, in about three or four hours, that <laughs> uh, was a joke. Um, uh, uh, at the end of this service, I'm going to ask for those, if you never have asked Christ to come into your life, I'd like you to just come forward, shake my hand, and say, yep, we're going to pray a prayer. And if you pray that prayer with all your heart, come forward, shake my hand, and then go back to your seat. Amen. Bring the whole row if you want to. Bring your family if you want to. That's okay. And uh, so just to, just to prepare you. Amen. Is that, is that okay? You're never meant to live without God, friends. And that's why this church is here. And that's why this church is going to plant churches. They plant churches. Amen. And multiply churches. So uh, let's um, turn with me, if you would, uh, to First to Kings chapter 17. And uh, just get myself set up here. Chapter 17, First Kings chapter 17. And... We're going to talk about two prophets, two families, and uh, two kids. And, uh, oh, could you, could you just tell the Prime Minister I'm a little busy at the moment? <laughs> Amen. I'll give her a call back later. Amen. I was in a meeting, and that actually happened. And uh, I was in a meeting in Hamilton, and the, and the phone went, and, and the, the preacher said, oh, look, just call, just tell the Prime Minister. I'll give him a call back. I'm a bit busy at the moment, you know. And it was the Prime Minister. <laughs> Amen. True story. That's not a joke. It's all right. So first, it's lovely to be here with James and, and Viv. Amen. They're good people, aren't they? Don't you reckon? Why don't we give them a clap? Go on. Amen. Wonderful. And so uh, great, great leaders to be with and uh, been through hell and back and still doing the stuff. Amen. Anybody else been through hell and back? Yeah. <laughs> Two people. Amen. It's wonderful. First Kings chapter 17. And here's Elijah. He's fed by uh, ravens and um, he, he's serving God. We'll pick it up at verse eight. And the Lord said, and there was this famine in the land. And so um, the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the, in the village of Zarephath near the city of Zion. I have instructed a widow to feed you there. He went to Zarephath and as he arrived in the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and asked her, would you please bring me a little water and a cup? As she was going to get it, he called her, hey, babe, hey, by the way, bring me a bite to eat as well, you know. And uh, she said, well, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. And I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. Now, if I was Elisha, I'd think, oh, oh, wrong woman. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Sorry, I'll go somewhere else now. I'll go around the other side or something, the house or the or the village. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. He's prophesying now. Amen. And sometimes when we don't know what, know what else to do, friends, prophesy. Prophesy to your family. Don't wait for a prophecy. Prophesy to yourself. They're always good ones, those ones. <laughs> If you're in a difficult situation, prophesy to yourself, prophesy to your family, prophesy over the church, prophesy over our country. And so 
said, well, always, uh, and, and he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, there will always, everybody say always. always. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did, as Elijah, as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her son continued to eat for many days. Everybody say many days. Many. There was always, everybody say always. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. How cool is that? Amen. Let's go to the second story. And this is Elisha. And we'll go to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4 and and verse 1. And Elisha, uh, one day a widow and the member of the group of the prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. So he was in service of, in the service of the Lord. He was, he was serving God. He was doing his best, but he'd passed away. And as you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Obviously nothing was left to give to the creditor. So he's going to take the two uh, boys. Now you don't do that to a mum without kicking up a little bit of a fuss. Amen, mums? Amen, mums? Yeah, and so like, uh, we were in Australia. My wife's Australian. She's um, from Brisbane. We went to Brisbane and we were in this uh, uh, animal park and uh, there was this uh, little little uh, kangaroo and my middle boy, Joshua, he, he, he went around and put his arm around the kangaroo. You're not meant to do that because what they can do is they grab you and they'll they'll pull, they'll, they'll open your, your gut literally uh, with their back legs. And so, uh, and he, he, the kangaroo was starting to box uh, Joshua. And, and I said, Josh, just move away. I was trying to stay calm. Just, just move away. And he was like, he was like stunned. Well, Karen, <laughs> his mum, and that kangaroo got a bashing like, I, I, I was like, we were all standing there. All, we got three boys. And, I was, and, and so myself as well. And I was, we're standing there going, wow, what happened there? Like, whoo The Aussie came out right there. Smash that kangaroo. Get away from my boy. Anyway, so here's this creditor. And he says, uh, the creditor has come to take away my two sons as slaves. So what can I do to help you, Elisha said. Uh, and, and so tell me, what do you have in the house? She says, nothing. Nothing at all. And that's probably our first response often. We don't have anything. Everybody in this room has something to give to God. Everybody. There is only one you. Use the one you to see the kingdom of God being extended. Amen. You can bless people. You can minister to people. And often we think... Think we don't have any gifts. Yes, you do. You've got gifts, you've got talents, you've got abilities, and you can you there, there is something you can give, so nothing at all. And then she says, Oh, except. Yeah. And maybe you're saying nothing at all, but then think of the accepts. Except a flask of oil. All you need is a flask of oil. Amen. All you need is a flask of oil, olive oil. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors and go into your house with your sons. Shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she had told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after the other. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. 
and we'll stop there. So at the end of this message, I want to ask you two questions now, but ask, answer them at the end of this message. What do you feel God has whispered to you today? God's here, amen? He's with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's not just in front, behind, above, below, beside. He's in us. Your address is his address. His address is your address. And he wants to speak to his kids. He loves you. He's absolutely for you. Amen. He really is. And so what do you feel God has whispered to you or said to you during this meeting? And the next question is, what will you do with what you've heard? What will you do? That's a harder question. What will you do? With what you've heard. Amen. Is that all right? Yeah. So what's the first question? What do you feel God has whispered what is it? What do you feel God has whispered to you? Back row as well. What, 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 do you, what, what is it? What do you think God has whispered to you? And what's the second question? What are you going to do with it? That's a discipleship question, see? I don't know if you've ever been to the Niagara Falls. They're huge. They're massive. Anybody ever, uh, ever been there? I, was, I happened to be able to be there, and I, the story is, it's a true story, that there was a well-known tightrope walker, and his name was Blondin, 1860s. Uh, he was around, and he placed a cable across the falls, and he walked across. And then he took a wheelbarrow and walked across with a wheelbarrow, like crazy guy. Uh, and, and he wasn't even Dutch. And so... Amen. If it isn't Dutch, it isn't much. Amen. Hallelujah. The Dutch touch. Wonderful. He placed a, he placed a cable across and then he walked across with a wheelbarrow. And then he asked, he said, and he, and he went to the, so he, he you've got to help me here. You've got to help me with this message, right? So, so he gets a wheelbarrow, walks across to the other side and all the people on the other side. So you're on the other side. They all go, whoa. Now that's like, that's a weak Oh, come on, come on, come on. We, gotta, uh, we can do a little bit better than that. Amen. Uh, I, uh, uh, amen. So I won't talk about the blues. Uh, so I was just going to, yeah, anyway. So, so, so he gets to the other side with a wheelbarrow and everybody goes, whoa. Yeah, that's, that's better. And then, he, and then he asks people, he says, who believes that I can walk across with a person in the wheelbarrow? And everybody goes, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, every, absolutely, yeah, we could, man, you could do this, amen? We're all saying that, uh, even if you haven't, you're saying that, amen? Yes, 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 people cried. So, okay, who's willing, <laughs> you know what's coming, right? Who's willing to hop into the wheelbarrow? And of course, it was very silent right there, very silent, very quiet, nobody got into the wheelbarrow at all except a little boy pushed his way true story little boy from the back pushed his way through the front pushed his way and he says i'll I'll hop in the wheelbarrow and the crowd goes (laughs) so the boy hopped in the wheelbarrow health and safety weren't there (laughs) where are those cones so he wandered across with the wheelbarrow, with the boy in it, and then wandered back again. And when he got back to the other side, the crowd went, whoa. Everybody believed that he could walk across with a person in the wheelbarrow, but the boy was the only one 
who had faith. Amen? Who has faith today? Faith is an action word. It was, it's interesting, the story doesn't stop there. The boy was the son of Blondin. He trusted his father. Friends, we can trust our father. We can trust our God no matter what we're going through. Amen? We can trust him. We have more resources than we realize. And so the currency of the kingdom is faith. Promises are received through faith. Healings take place. Miracles happen. Churches are planted through faith. Mission is achieved. Property is purchased. God's call is actioned with faith. Nothing happens without faith. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about this. Seeing it was, this church is called Faith Point. Amen. Amen. I wasn't going to talk about this, but as I was praying this morning, I thought, yeah, this, is, this, is the, this is the one. Because there's a few things in this that I want to really hit, and I kind of feel it's a, 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 I kind of feel it's prophetic, but I also feel there's a bit of apostolic stuff going on here. So I'm trying to put all that in. Amen. Yeah. Uh, the next two or three hours. And uh, so, <laughs> and so, uh, uh, and I feel there's some folks here, there's going to be a turntable moment for them. Uh, trains, big locomotives come onto a turntable. Person in a little room with a lever pushes a few buttons and, the, and it pushes the whole locomotive around, right? Go the other way. I kind of feel like the Holy Spirit is there and he's, and he's, and he's just turning some of us. And I think something with this church is turning. There's something turning here uh, and it's facing another way. Amen. The way that God wants it to, to turn to. So just a few, just a few. Qu- By the way, you already have faith. We just need to use the faith that God's already given to us. People ask me to pray for more faith. Well, you already have faith. Use the faith that God has given to you. Amen. You have God in you. We just talked about that. You have Christ in you. The Bible says the only hope of glory, the Message Bible says. You know, the, uh, the hope of glory. You have Christ in you. You have the Godhead in you. So you carry faith. You carry hope. You carry life. You carry love. You carry grace. You carry forgiveness. Yeah? Amen? And so you, you have faith. So use the faith that God has given you. So, so let's just have a look at these quotes up here and I think the first one comes up with Dr. Dr. Cho is faith and doubt will always exist together believing is choosing faith over doubt see and so so don't worry if you doubt just enjoy your doubt but turn to faith (laughs) you you always have doubts Well, well we'll live with fears Paul lived with fear and an angel came and told him uh, don't fear, like, like don't fear. He didn't give him 10 points. He just said, don't fear. Because <laughs> when you're fearing, friends, you don't have time to think about the 10 points. You just don't fear because I'm with you. Amen. So faith and doubt will always exist together. Anybody ever notice that? And so believing is choosing faith over doubt. Corrie Teen Boom, Dutch lady. Amen. These Dutchies, man, I tell you, they're everywhere. 
Hallelujah. Faith is believing in the character of God when life demands the opposite. And often life demands the opposite. Who's found that out? It's kind of like pushes us towards believing something else. So faith is believing in the character of God. The character of God. God is a good God. He's a gracious God. He's a forgiving God. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's, 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 he's more gracious than what I ever thought He was. He's the kindest of the kindest. He's the, he's the kindest person. Uh, and, 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 and this government's not the first. The Bible is about uh, kindness. Amen? This government thought that maybe kindness is a new thing. Well, it's not. Amen. Kindness. Faith is believing in the character of God when life demands the opposite. Let's go to the next slide. Rick Warren, faith is facing the facts without being discouraged by them. That's not easy. That's why we need one another. Amen. To lift us up and and it's, that's why we need to read the Word of God. And it's not denying a diagnosis, but defying a verdict. It's not denying, it's not ignoring it, the diagnosis, uh, but defying that it's gonna, that's the end. Amen? There's life somewhere in all this. And Bill Johnson says, The walk of faith is to live according to the revelation we have received in the midst of the mysteries we can't explain. How many know there are so many mysteries? We need to learn to live with mystery. There are so many mysteries. Uh, and the person who doesn't have any mysteries thinks they're God. And no one in this room is God. Amen. Amen. But we have a God who lives in us. Amen. And there are so many mysteries. So many questions. But we need to answer them somehow in, in our spirit or as we study. Amen. So, walk of faith is to live according to the revelation received and the mysteries. In the midst of the, and friends, mystery leads us to trust Him. We have to trust Him because that's all we can do. That's all we can go to is to trust Him. It's one of the most biblical words ever written. Trust. We trust Him. Amen. Without faith, it is impossible to please the one we love and serve three thoughts three questions about faith as it were and we're talking about the widows the families two prophets uh, number one you'll notice in both of the stories that i've read from first and second kings both of these stories uh, they, they, they are in desperate situations. So the question is this. Are you in a desperate situation today? Because God wants to answer that. This, this, these situations were desperate. Did you notice? One of them said they were going to die. They're gonna, we're going to have a feed. We're going to have a feed. And then we're going to die. I mean, there wasn't a lot of hope there, right? Not a lot... To, to, to go on there. The creditor, the second story, the creditor was going to take the two sons away. I mean, you just don't do that to it. You're breaking a family uh, apart right there. Faith, but it, listen, the good news is this. Faith works in desperate situations. So maybe you're in a desperate situation. That's okay. Faith works there. It's a pain, but faith works there. So maybe you're in a desperate situation. Faith 
is made, faith is nurtured, faith begins to grow in those situations. When was the last time you were in a desperate situation, you found yourself in a desperate situation? Maybe allow God, maybe allow God to place you in a desperate situation. We went to Europe uh, in 2000 and somewhere, 2010, somewhere around there. I've been itinerant for the last 11, 12 years, handed over our church after uh, 19, 20 years, went to Europe lived in Amsterdam, amen, got a Dutch passport, got a Kiwi passport, my second name's Jason, (laughs) Jason Bourne, oh sorry, anyway, and so, so we lived in Amsterdam and nothing took place, it was like, it was a desperate situation, we were aiming to plant churches that plant churches, and, 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 but now, every, all the people we work with now, we've got a network over there in Holland, Belgium, and France, and all the people we work about 85% of the folks we work with, we met at that stage. I didn't realize it then, but looking back, it was such an important stage and such an important learning curve, uh, that, that whole curve. So we were in a desperate situation. I remember a guy called me around. He was a father of four kids, Husbands had his own business, young, young family, called me around, he says, I've just been to the doctor, haven't even told my wife, rang you up straight away because I just needed someone to talk to. He said, I, uh, he said, I've, I've found out that I've got, um, I've got cancer. And uh, th- he was in a desperate situation. I remember it. His uh, business was in, on the top of his garage and we went in there. I said, well, there's one thing we can do. He said, yeah, that's why I've called you around. We're going to pray. So we began to pray and we declared the healing power of God. And we kept on doing that over a, a series of weeks and months. And we just kept bombing that thing and hitting that thing in Jesus' name. He's still alive today, Amen. healthy and strong. He was in a desperate situation. What can you do in those desperate situations? One situation we had a, a, a little boy who was two years old, he was found face down in the swimming pool up the back of Rikiorangi, which is in Waikanae, 10 minutes away from the town. And it took about at least 15 minutes before the ambulance was up there. That's after they found him. They had to find him first, but he was under the cover of the swimming pool. And so it's like two years old. What a, what a crazy thing. And so the parents were beside themselves. The, 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 the ambulance got up there, worked on him. He, he, his, his pulse was really weak. They, it, it, there wasn't a lot of hope there. We found out about it. There weren't a lot of, um, there, there wasn't the cell phones or anything then. Amen. Did you know cell phones haven't been around for a long time, right? Young people. And so, and so, and so, we, we, anyway, I found out about it and hopped into my Hillman uh, upgrade from my Mark One Zephyr to a Hillman Superminx Dulux with GT stripes down the side. Amen. <laughs> and we zapped on down to Wellington from Wyke and I uh, when the roads were empty. So we got there in 10 minutes. Uh, and so, no, no, 50 minutes or so. Anyway, so we went down there and we went straight into ICU. He was lying ahead. Every, every, uh, every tube that you could ever imagine. It was like, we had our gowns on and, and everything, and, and we were allowed in there as, as, as his, his dad was there and, and uh, one or two of the leaders of the church, and we just got some oil, and we just anointed him with oil, and we only could be there for, for a minute or so, because there were every 30 seconds, 
nurses were coming. His ICU is critical, right? Two-year-old little boy in his nappies, just lying there. You know, they said, "Look, if he come, if he's alive, if he if he stays alive, his, he will be brain dead." And just to prepare you, he will be brain dead. He he. It will be like a vegetable or whatever. But anyway, we prayed. And I said, what's the, what's the sign that the doctors are saying? And the, the doctors said, well, when his, eyes, when his eyelids begin to flutter. Before we left the hospital, his eyelids began to flutter. Amen. Amen. I met that boy uh, about 20 years later again. I mean, he was healthy and strong, but also 20 years later. He's strong as an ox. He's, he's vibrant. He, he can think well. He's, he's great. Amen. See, see, that was a desperate... What do you do when you're in those desperate situations? All you can do, friends, is trust God and pray and declare and Amen. prophesy life and health and healing in the name of Jesus. And I can tell you story after story after story about that with resources. and things. So, friends, who's in a desperate situation? Just put your hand up. Who's, just close your eyes. Just, let's bow our heads so we give us a bit of privacy here. And I like, if you're just in a desperate situation, can you just raise your hand? If you're in a desperate situation, I'd like you to raise your hand in Jesus' name. Maybe it's resources. Maybe it's a, there's someone here with a fear of, uh, fear of sickness. You're, you're fearful of, of getting, uh, being unwell. Who's that person? Just raise your hand. You're just fearful of being unwell. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just declare your, your touch. And, Father, you're the God who moves and, and activates himself in those desperate situations. And this is where faith works its best. And so we declare faith over their lives, resources that need to be gathered in, healing that needs to be gathered in, faith that needs to be, uh, that, that needs to be gathered in, fear that needs to be smashed in Jesus' name over that fear of being sick. We smash that in the name of Jesus and we declare life and health. We thank you, Lord, for these desperate situations. We declare your healing ministry, your whatever is the need. We ask you, Lord, for a rising to take place. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Do you know the God that makes a way where there is no way? See, that's where faith works. I could go on and on about that, but I want to go to number two because this is the one I really want to hit. How much does God supply? I mean, how much does he really supply? And I want you to work with me on this. The second story talks about the vessels, the jars, right? And they were all sizes. They didn't have Tupperware then. They didn't have plastic, but they had these clay pots, and they were big jars. So imagine if the mum said, look, this crazy guy is a bit eccentric. And like, let's just do what he says. Let's gather a few pots from our home and, and go to the neighbors. But don't tell them that you want these jars. Just, just say mum needs them because of cooking or something. You know, just make up some story and just like coming back and, and they get 11 jars. Tell me, when would the oil have stopped flowing? When would the oil have stopped flowing if there were 11 jars there in the house? When would the oil have stopped flowing? When the jars ran out. When, when, when the, ja- when the, the jars ran out. So, we, so when would that have been? 
at the 11th jar. The, the oil would have stopped flowing, right? But imagine if the mum said, look, let's just go up and down the streets. Don't tell them too much, but just go up and down the street, get as many jars as you can. They end up with 124 jars. When would the oil have stopped flowing? 120. You got it now. She's a keeper. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 124. That, yeah, I don't know how many jars, but, but imagine if she thought, right, I tell you what, we are going to have a jar convention. I'm going to ring up Pastor uh, James. No, I'll ring up Pastor Viv. Because she'll just get organized. She'll just, let organ, she'll just get everything on board. Amen. Get her cell phone out. She'll ring everybody. We're going to have a jar convention. Bring it all to the school and just fill up all the classrooms over a weekend. Bring the trains in. Bring the trucks in. Bring the buses in. Whatever. Gonna have, and we're going to have thousands and thousands of jars. So they end up with 10,003 jars. Whoa. When will the oil have stopped flowing? How many reckon? 10,003. Then the oil will stop flowing. You don't know how many jars. But listen to this. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. We don't know how many jars. So the question is this. How much does God supply? How much does God supply? Uh, People say, well, he supplies as much as he wants to. Well, we know that. But how much does God supply? Let, Let me just say this. As much as you allow him to. As much as you and I allow him to. Now it's not all about us, it's all about him. In all this. And it seems that God wants to multiply resources. Not simply add. He wants to multiply resources from Genesis right through to Revelation. I can tell you about multiplication. In fact, I've got a really good book called Multiplication. Amen? And so... So it's simple to get jars. It's just a matter of getting them. It's not complicated. It's simple. It might not be easy. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of work, but uh, getting the jars is, is, is kind of easy. And it, well, it's not easy, but it's, it's, it's not complicated. So how desperate are you and I to see God's resources flow in as much as you and I allow Him to? So I'm thinking of this church, see? And I don't know about this church getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but I think this church can get bigger in different ways. Just plant 70 churches. This size. Or smaller. Small things multiply. Maybe it's 700. What are you prophesying? What are you praying for? What are you believing God for? How much does God supply? As much as you and I allow Him to. How desperate are you to see what God has given you? Multiply. We see we say Abraham and Nehemiah with the workers, and the and and they had they had and Moses and 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 Jethro and the disciples and Paul and, and they, they saw multiplication take place. We're even a result of many of that. Amen. We can still hear of the stories. You know, who would have thought? Here's the Apostle John. He's in a forced lockdown on an island called Patmos in his late 80s. The scholars say in his late 80s, early 90s, somewhere around that age, no internet, 
no Facebook, not even Twitter. <laughs> no TV, no Sky, no Netflix. And it's the Lord's Day, and he's depressed. Oh. And there's thieves and there's murderers and there's criminals on that island. That's where they sent them to. He was, he was there because he preached the gospel because of his testimony of Jesus. And, and he was there and he's like, he's like, oh, it's the Lord's Day. No one's here worshipping. I haven't got the band anymore. The synth is gone. I haven't got my piano. Whatever. I haven't got my guitar. You know, I'm like, he's liking this. For, but it was the Lord's Day and he worshipped the Lord. Don't wait for the worship leader, friends. You be the worship leader. Don't wait for the singer. You be the singer. Amen. You begin to praise God. And he, he began to have a revelation, and we're still reading that today during a lockdown. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Yeah. See, how much does God supply? Henry Ford said, Think you can, think you can't. Either way, you're right. But because we have Christ in us, you can. I can do all things through Christ. It gives me the strength. Multiplication is in your DNA. I can tell you story after story. Like Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21 is my life verse. God is able. Amen. God is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we ask or think or imagine. According to the power that works within us, God is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we ask. Or, and I'm thinking, I know, I'm, I know what I'm asking God. I know what I'm thinking. I know what I'm imagining. And God wants to go beyond that. Amen? We're not after one network of churches. We're after networks that plant networks, starting one in New Zealand. Amen? Churches that plant multiplications in our DNA, friends. And I have a feeling it's in this church's DNA as well. So be ready. Allow him to begin to prophesy. Allow him to bring in that, those folks that are going to, amen, break out and hand the loaves out. You said it, not me. Last night, hand loaves out and bless people and, and, and feed folks in Jesus' name all over this place. Three and a half, four million people in New Zealand having a clue who Christ is, and they're certainly not in communities of faith. There's so many disengaged from uh, communities of faith, disengaged from church. And we need to bring them back. They've got gifts and abilities. Uh, And and we're never meant to read the Bible. We're never meant to study the Bible by ourselves. We'll get into heresy that way very quickly. It's a community book. It's a community book. That's why we need one another. Amen? He wants you to multiply. How much does God supply? As much as you and I allow Him to. How much does God supply? As much as you and I allow Him to. Turn to the person next to you. How much does God supply? As much as you and I allow Him to. Amen. Last thing, the musicians could come back up. Who does God choose? Who does God choose and empower. I don't like the word use, but God, who does God choose? Who does God call and empower? <coughs> we know He chooses, He uses machinery and uses computers and uses technology. But friends, He chooses people. He chooses people like you and me. Ordinary people. 
My, people like, like Samson and David. Have you heard about those guys? Like some of the good things they did, but oh my goodness, some of the mistakes. Whew. My goodness, it makes interesting reading. Abraham gave his wife to two different... Yeah, we won't go there. Jonah, like Jonah, he said he was in a whale, if you please, like for goodness sake. Uh, Jonah, like he had interest... Uh, and w- the woman at the well, the prostitute, Peter, who was called Satan. He's an apostle, but the Messiah calls him, get behind me, Satan. From an apostle to the devil. How does that work? Uh, uh, yeah, anyway, he denied Christ. The despised, the downtrodden, the forgotten, the lonely, the lost, the sick, the woman with the issue of blood, the no-name woman, the no-name people, the little boy of the day of the picnic comes along with a few loaves and a few fish and feeds thousands of people. Wow! Imagine what he could tell his grandkids, right? Oh, granddad, we've heard that story a few times. Yeah, I want to let me tell you again. Can I tell you again? He's so excited, granddad, you know, like. So what what about you? God has chosen you. God's put his hand on you and he wants to, he so wants to partner with you. Don't work for God anymore. Work with God. I worked for God for a long time. Nearly killed me. No, no, no. Work with God. Amen. Amen. Work with him. He wants to do you good. He wants you to rest and bless and minister. So God chooses you. Amen. Father, we thank you. So the two questions before you leave this place. I think there's tea and coffee afterwards. Is that right? And so before you leave this room, perhaps, or whatever, before you leave this building, just answer what, what do you feel God has whispered to you? And what will you do with what he said?